Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm your co-host, Peter V.S. Bond. I'm also the Vice President of Retail Strategy at Power Reviews, a product rating and review software company. It's a special episode because not only will we be heard on the CPG Guys podcast, it will also be available on IRI's Gross Insight podcast. We're extremely pleased to join the audience that IRI has cultivated. We'll have more on this in a few minutes. As always, I'm joined by my co-host. He's an e-commerce veteran of notable CPGs like PepsiCo, J&J, and Revlon. He's also an accomplished entrepreneur. I'm sure he has something to say about that. So please join me in welcoming my friend, my co-host, Shri. Shri, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, Peter, and welcome to you as well. Michael, a warm welcome to you, and you are an extra special guest because what you may not know is I am an IRI alumni as well. And in fact... Peter and I met at IRI close to, is it safe to say about 20 plus years ago at this stage? Uh, I think and it's safe to say that. Safe and, and we've been friends ever since then. So any work we do with IRI is extra special. I'm talking uh, the days of Jim Follett, et cetera, like way, way, way back in the past, Jan Fulgoni, things of that nature, when the company was private, then became public and back and forth. So I'm hoping to have a great conversation when I'm not doing this. I've also helped launch Zentua, a 100% natural supplements brand to help aid your sleep, energy, better movement, stress and anxiety relief, and male wellness. Do check it out at www.zenfuel.com or search Zenfuel on Amazon. That's Z-E-N-F-U-E-L. Zenfuel, where your happiness is our ambition. Thank you, Shree. Before we get to our guest, I want to remind our audience that you can find all of our content our podcast on 15 plus platforms, YouTube channel that includes playlists of our profit series, our retail series and our women leadership series, so much more. Just go to cpgguys.com. And for our native audience, please make sure to subscribe to the IRI Growth Insight podcast. They have some terrific C-level guests, including my old boss from Dunhumby, Stuart Aiken, who's now Kroger's chief merchant, and Mark Klaus, CEO of Campbell Soup Company. 13 years ago, I worked on site for IRI at Campbell Soup in Camden, New Jersey. So it's a big IRI love fest today, and there's a reason for that. The reason we have today's episode playing on both the CPG guys and the IRI Gross Insight podcast is because our guest is from IRI. Sri and I met each other over 20 years ago. when We both worked for IRI, and if you listen to our podcast, you know that Sri's favorite topic is Retail Media. Our guest is the Executive Vice President of Technology and Retail Media Platforms for IRI. In a recent episode, we spoke with Stephen Carroll from Sam's Club. Sam's Club has partnered with IRI to offer brands retail media targeting that leverages the rich longitudinal transaction data coming from Sam's Club member purchases. Uh, We'll ask our guest to help us understand more about this and all the retail media offerings supported by IRI. Please join Shri and me in welcoming Michael Elegus to the podcast. Mike, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Peter. For uh, mentioning the IRI alum that we've got here, because uh, 
I mean, it's going to be a great conversation, right? You got three intellectually curious people that probably like to argue with one another. So <laughs> it's going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, uh, that's that's terrific, Mike. I don't I don't know the I don't know the meaning of the word argue, so it won't be me. I'm I'm the shy one on this podcast. You see that uh, he's arguing already, Peter. It's that's uh, what I like to see. He, he's just vocal. Uh, I know he's. I know this. This is really about him champing at the bit to get to talk about his favorite topic and pick your brain. So, let's just get right into it, shall we? I'm going to start with the first question for you, Mike. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about what your role is at IRI and what are the objectives of the technology and retail media platforms team? Yeah, absolutely. So I would tell you I work on kind of the architecture of the tech solutions that we put in for retail marketing teams. We have a platform we call Liquid Data, and the way we use it with marketing is to you know, help retailers better understand their customers. And we do that by applying, you know, whatever 40 years or so, Shree, of uh, IRI shopper analytics on top of a multi-year history of customer transactions. And then what's cool about the platform is you can go straight from that analysis to a target group, activate it from the platform, and then capture uh, the exposure. And then you can measure, because you're the retailer and you can see all those omni-channel sales, you know, what was the difference between people that were exposed to a campaign versus people that weren't. So uh, the platform connects to kind of any uh, you know, addressable media that a, a retailer might have, whether that's uh, relationship marketing or on-site, off-sites. Um, you know, we try to make it seamless across those customer touch points. You know, that word liquid data platform brings back memories. I remember, you know, a good over a decade and a half ago when we were trying to take the liquid data platform from Sym- Symphony Technologies and uh, incubate drivers on demand for PepsiCo and then the IPOP reporting system for PepsiCo. I, I knew this is going to be a fun episode because we are true hard-bred IRI alums who, who just love IRI, given the amazing training we got in the CPG industry by working with data from like ground up on day one in the industry. Sri, when I remember when I was at IRI when they were launching it, I had to sign an extra NDA and I couldn't even mention the name liquid data in the halls freely of IRI. It was so super secret when they launched it. And what a, what a massive success that platform yeah. has been. So we're going to jump into <laughs> arguably what we've already declared is my favorite topic. And it is, you know, having led large PLs the last eight years in e-commerce, you know, Peter mentioned brands, you know, whether it's for Revlon, Johnson & Johnson, Frito, PepsiCo, really doesn't matter. One of the areas that I've felt is a weakness for very large brands is this evolving nation notion of true retail media, aka on-site search, SEM search. That could be with the Amazon media group, could be with the Walmart media group. If you b- go back two, three years in history, it's kind of like a monopoly of the Amazon media group, and it's really Google. There's Critio and external engines and things of that nature. And I feel to the day, to the T, brands still haven't understood the value of retail media that it's truly the entire spectrum of the funnel and not just one portion of the funnel. And you can actually attribute end-to-end success on the dollars you choose to invest. So I'd love to hear your thinking around how this has evolved over the last decade, maybe the last five years since it's been prevalent and hear what is stable stakes in 2020 given, and Peter cringes when I use the word 2020 because he gave it a half-star <laughs> review 
uh, about a couple of days couple of days ago at our uh, daily one question one answer series on Instagram, which by the way, users you can check out. So if you can share with us your viewpoint, how's this evolving? Where is this going to go? What should brands do? That would be awesome. Yeah, I would give uh, 2020 a half star as well. And uh, you know, I don't know. Table stakes, I guess, to me is uh, is the the purchase data, right? I mean, the the reason. Omnichannel platforms are growing so fast is because for CPGs, purchase behavior is a great indicator of what people are going to go do. And so if you can get that data in a way that's leverageable so that you as a retailer can connect a brand to the people that it's going to be relevant to, it, you know, you, you've done a, a great service. And so, you know, making that uh, accessible, leverageable, scalable for, you know, your, your supplier partners, as I think is the, the table stakes at this point. Um, you know, the next piece to me is it's got to be driven by closed loop, as you said. Incremental sales should be the true north. If you're a retailer, you can make that connection point. We don't have to rely on leading indicators anymore. We can actually have true performance-based marketing and see the people that saw your ad buy more or not. So, Table stakes is is get it in real time so that you can optimize in campaign. And Steve from Sam's might have talked a little bit about the fact that you know they're on that journey right now of, of creating the flexibility within their their media buying so that we can take that real time buy signal and use it to change the mix of where we're delivering messages, what creating, you know, what's the right of touch to get somebody to take action without wearing them out and. Uh, I'll tell you that the future to me, and if, if Andrew Appel, our CEO, was here, he'd be elbowing me right now saying, you know, lifetime value. Lifetime value is where we want to go. And uh, you know, as a retailer, you can do that because you can see purchasing you know, indefinitely into the future. So you can take that same exposure that you think about as a campaign and say, did people continue to buy? Did I, did I change people's hearts and minds here? Or did I just get you know, a bump while I was uh, advertising? And that should allow us over time to get much better at, at serving customers in a way that we're uh, building you know, loyalty and, and building baskets, hopefully with the right brands in them if you're the advertiser. Lifetime value, Andrew Appel. Congratulations on being a true Salesforce.com alum where they focus heavily on lifetime value. One of the offshoots that came to mind while you were speaking, Michael, is I did want to ask, in, you know, go forward. The media landscape is obviously metamorphosized completely. And if you look at it now, how do you, how does one not in their marketing mix model, how does one skip retail media? To me, it's like, you don't have a choice go forward. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, mix is still such a discussion. You know, we've, we've been doing work to try to unify campaign level management or measurement rather, whether it's uh a lift model or whether it's a multi-touch attribution model back to mix. And, and I think the challenge with mix is it's great for allocation. It's probably not as granular, right, as what you need to, to see what's happening. And uh, within retail, I think there's a lot of vehicles, you know, again, going back to that Sam's uh, example, you can buy lockouts or you can buy, you know, lapsed audiences, right? You can either get very focused or you can buy a run of sites. And so, I think there's such a range Shri, of, of how you use retail media that uh, I think for some people, it's that they may not have figured out the best way to use it. And therefore, they're not maybe getting the results that uh, that they want yet. Do you think that, that could be part of it? 
sorry, Peter, but Peter knew the oxygen in this conversation was going to be sucked up by Shri. So uh, the one, the, why I asked you that question very particularly about the mix model is, you know, I've stood in boardrooms and it's literally been, I kid you not, Michael, fist fights over who's going to pay for retail media. Is it above the line, aka trade rate, which is really the way it's classified and defined is really meant for consumer value activities. And then media is, of course, below the line and is not part of net trade sales, but today the industry is largely paying for it from net trade sales. The, the one they're penalizing, therefore, is the consumer because they're not able to add that value. It's coming out of true value they would offer via promotional discounts. So I've always felt if, we can, if the industry can answer that question, who's going to pay? It belongs in the marketing mix and marketers need to own retail media like their baby. Life would be good for everybody and the winner would be the consumer. And any thoughts on that one? I totally agree. And I think a lot of the issue is structural within, you know, CPG. You tend to have different groups. And I think there's still a pretty strong sales hand on that uh, shopper marketing decision. And, you know, rightly so. There's obviously a a value equation that includes space within the retailer. And, you know, if you're on feature, not only are you getting a benefit, but you're blocking a competitor. So, I, I mean, it's a little complex, but I mean, your point of like, this is performance marketing. And if you're not using it that way, you're, you're kind of missing, I think, an opportunity. And it should be a layered cake in my mind with your national game plan at the top and the retailers that have good programs stacked up underneath it. And if you do that well, then, you know, you should be starting to think about that same audience whether you're touching them with a brand message or touching them with, you know, maybe something that's either co-branded or just closer to activation, it, when you get those things going in the right direction, I think everybody agrees that that's, that's a winning formula. But organizationally, I think we struggle with who's got the budget and what's the planning window. And wait a minute, we do want to make sure we leverage this into these other conversations we're having with the retailer. So I, I think the good news is we're starting to at least get you know, third-party endorsements, it's like what IRI is able to do with a, a lift study to say, you know, I'm going to use the same methodology here at the retailer that I do with our national. And therefore, if I'm the, the you know, advertiser, I can look at results that have at least the same methodology behind them and start thinking about it as, you know, a, a fair apples to apples, or at least uh, maybe two varieties of apples or something, but, you know, getting closer to something comparable. We're really about education here, so let's... To be fair, you were forewarned. I know. <laughs> let's break this down a little bit. Specifically, how is IRI helping brands target high-value audiences through retail media platforms? What are kind of like the building blocks of that? Yeah, I think uh, it, it's it's got to start with shopper analytics, right? And so in some of our platforms, um, we have connected those two things. So what you might have seen as a... Insights Gateway in the past is now connected to the activation piece. And so, uh, you know, going back to the early days of liquid data, what's cool about the system is the different data sets are all in one platform. And so you can come out of a report, maybe you're looking at, you know, the new customers you've had since COVID with the buyer. I can actually right click on that report and turn that column into an audience. And then that audience can move over to the, the retail marketing team to put a campaign together behind it. And so that, that's how we're really trying to make um, you know, insights actionable. And, and that's been hugely helpful, I would tell you. 
And then, you know, again, because we're able to close the loop, what we're trying to do is get people to think about the next action coming out of, you know, the, the first one, if you will, so that uh, we're, we're building and getting smarter each time that we, we you know, execute something. And that's uh, the foundation of, of starting maybe with a better, you know, creative brief, if you will, because we've got a good business case identified, but then being able to link it seamlessly to the activation we're going to take. That, that's that's where I think we're uniquely able to add value with this platform. It's pretty cool. So this one's an easy one, Michael, but one that I think is very needed in the industry. And that is, you know, the journey to insights, analytics, and performance management in the offline world largely started and ended with one of two vendors in the industry and you're one, representing one of them, which is IRI. And uh, I've always believe very strongly, especially my eight years in e-com, that if retailers and consumers are going to get a fair shot from brands at get at truly getting what they deserve, which is value, the right assortment, search, things of that nature, if, if folks like y'all or your competitor doesn't step up and own the end-to-end -end of data analysis and report out from a performance management perspective, which leads to insights and analytics, the spectrum of e-commerce, aka digital selling, including digital browsing, then the industry is forever a little plagued by this aura of it's incomplete. So I'd love to know if you can share with the audience what's IRI's outlook towards using technology or other platforms to kind of get into this space and then enable as a result retail media uh, for brands. Yeah, I would tell you, I mean, going back to Andrew and the 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 team that leads IRI, the, the goal has been to get to one collaboration platform that connects a retailer, a advertiser, and media, right? And so, you know, a lot of what we talked about before on the layered cake, the, the media opportunity isn't getting to be as layered a cake as it could be. But if, if you look at uh, our clients that are on Liquid Data as an advertiser, you know, they're utilizing some of the same reports, technology, data science that, you know, we put in place at a retailer. And today that connection is largely, you know, people logging into two different systems and then having a conversation. But we're starting to get challenged by our, um, you know, larger uh, CPG clients to, to connect these things so that uh, you could go seamlessly from their version of the platform to a retailer's version. And, you know, we think that's very doable from a technology standpoint. It's another one that takes some behavioral change and organizational change. But if we can get that foundation in place, when you think about then the publishing world, and particularly some of the more innovative uh, DSPs, I think about like the, the Trade Desk and DV360 vision where that whole ecosystem could be attached and that people's, you know, privacy and IP could be protected because we've got a system that can protect at a cell level what is being exchanged. So I, I think, I don't know if I'm talking, you know, too far out into the future with that one, Shree, but I really believe that that's where it goes over time because if you're going to serve customers well, you got to be relevant if you're going to be taking money from advertisers, you got to deliver results, and that that starts to come together when it all lives in a in a platform that communicates. That's great, Mike. My question relates to where the industry is and its capabilities around retail media. Is today's retail media still primarily from a personalization standpoint driven or communication standpoint driven by email? Is it 
personalization results from search and keyword terms? And are we getting to the point where once someone, a shopper, opens up their app or visits a site, the personalization begins before they've even done anything other than just open up that capability because the retailer knows who that consumer is and is already ready with what the experience is going to be like. Yeah, I, I think it's all those things. I'd tell you, um, you know, email continues to be the foundation, I think, for most of our, our retailers. And, you know, it's interesting. Email is not maybe the sexiest thing, but it's had a bit of a renaissance during COVID and uh, and people paying a little bit more attention. I've it works. From, yeah, eMarketer would tell you that the the open rates are up and, and such. But um, so I think that foundation where to me relationship marketing, there's an expectation that you know who I am and that you're being relevant. You know, hopefully there's some sort of personalization going on, at least at a segmentation level, if not a one-to-one. Search to me is a really interesting opportunity because if you look at, you know, Amazon in particular with their multi-billion dollar uh, media business, a, a big chunk of that is, is paid search, right? And the consumer seems to be pretty open to that experience of getting paid <laughs> results back from searches. I've, I've done searches for certain items on Amazon where the entire screen was you know, paid advertising essentially that came back at me. And you know, if it's relevant, uh, thank you, I guess, because you know, I'm just trying to, to find the right thing. So I think for some of our, our grocery retailers, you know, they don't have the site traffic that, you know, uh, um, general merchandise uh, omnichannel retailer does. And so they, they may not have that, that search or even a you know, keyword mentality yet. But I, I think that is going to be a product that will provide a lot of growth, um, particularly for grocery retailers uh, as pickup uh, grows. And then I, I think the opportunity, Peter, is exactly what you described of, you know, ads serving the right thing to me because, you know, when, when you open up the app or when you go on to the, the retailer's uh, website, for sure, um, th- there's no reason we can't ad serve something relevant based on all we know about you and what's in your basket. And, you know, our system certainly supports that, whether it's, you know, a batched request that we're providing data back or a, a real-time hit, you know, we can certainly uh, help the, the retailer with the, the right relevance, whether it's based on historic or whether it's, you know, predictive. And I think that's, you know, kind of the next level for some of my clients where they, they have ads in their app, but it's not, you know, ad serve. So it's, it's not necessarily one-to-one personalization. Um, but, you know, going back again to, to Steve and the Sam's Club, I, I don't know if he talked about this, but, you know, the, the Sam's and Walmart apps have, has a mode when you're in the store, right, versus when you're not. So, you know, talk about hyper relevance, like we, we can deliver an ad with Sam's that I know, you know, Shri is standing in the store and I know that, uh, you know, he's either searched for something or I'm, you know, predicting it based on what we've seen previously. And so hyper relevant and, you know, certainly much lower in the funnel at that point, if, I, if I'm talking to you when you're in the store. So actually the same tool, I guess, could be, you know, upper funnel when you're in the app at home and potentially lower funnel when you're in the store with it. It's, it's a gr- amazing opportunity. Speaking of that very opportunity that you um, mentioned, this world of retail media and digital, while the KPIs for success in retail media are actually derived from offline, you know, there is, it, it gets so complicated and confusing words such as CPM, impressions, conversion, CPR, C 
CVR. I mean, this list is endless. There's Glad. Then you look at Amazon, it's like Glanceviews. And then you look at someone else, the platform is radically different because the ROAS on one retailer, which is a super regional versus a national retailer like Walmart is never going to be the same because the eyeballs don't exist. And then that forces the dollars to go below the line versus above the line and vice versa. But if I asked you to pick what one or two KPIs as what you think are the most relevant for the future in this retail media led world, what would you pick? Because it's just, just such a plethora. Like at the end of the day in the offline world, if we had to pick, we'd say net sales and profit. Right. No, I, I think incremental sales is, is where it's going. And, you know, we have products outside of retail to measure, you know, linear TV. We're using location to try to understand the return on a billboard or an event. I mean, there's no reason in today's connected world that you can't start to get to at least an approximation of, of what the incremental sales is. So I think it needs to go there. And, you know, candidly, I, I think because the media industry was built without, you know, what a, a brick and mortar or omnichannel retailer has as a sales signal, you know, we, we've gotten very dependent on systems that feed off of, you know, click-throughs and all the other, you know, leading indicators that, uh, that you uh, mentioned. And I, it's hard, I think, sometimes to push those systems aside and say, you know, that we don't have to do it that way any longer. But, uh, you know, certainly performance marketing is, is what the way I think of, of retail. And I think, you know, as we talked about earlier, that, that should start to ladder up to lifetime value because I should be not only thinking about what the incremental sales were from the campaign, but I should be looking at whether, you know, buying stayed at a higher level post-campaign, whether new buyers continued to buy. Um, now you start to change the equation dramatically because you're opening the window right to a, a much longer period of time to say, is my ad having an impact or not? And that's ultimately what you're trying to do with brand advertising, right? You're trying to lay the groundwork for ongoing and, and continuous buying. And so, you know, even if it's upper funnel, I, I would argue upper funnel is just, you know, uh, future projection of what you're going to buy is what you're trying to, to measure. It's, it's got to go back to incremental sales. So, Michael, if I came back to that very statement and I, you, we said performance marketing, right? When, when, we, when you started answering this question, obviously the name of the game is to optimize your performance marketing and drive the number by improving your ROAS, et cetera. I, I would love your viewpoint on what about growth marketing, which I primarily see as SEO-based content, which is the world Peter is in. What we're seeing in like grocery in particular, um, when somebody searches for something and makes a decision and it gets on a shopping list, it, it's going to be there by default, right? Until you create enough uh, you know, friction to make me want to change. And so as you think about like the extreme of I'm talking to Alexa or Google Home and it is ordering, you know, paper towels because I said paper towels and it's already you know, hard, hard coded what that paper towel is. You know, I, I think, uh, I think searched and search and what people do, um, you know, with their own properties to try to help you manage your shopping list is going to be, you know, just critical to win for the CPG because, uh, again, it's just, it's going to be hard to change. You know, the, I have a certain level of engagement with certain products and it's lower with others. And so once I've made a choice, like getting me to rethink whether I'm using the right, you know, fill in the blank, low, low engagement item, it's going to be really difficult. 
what I was what I was really trying to get, Michael, is you know the world of performance marketing. The numbers are absolute numbers, and they can be optimized. Mm-hmm. But to win in this space in retail media, that alone requires the support of um, growth marketing, which is making sure that every campaign you run has the best ad from a SEO standpoint. You know, traditionally brands write their copy based on the story they want to tell. That doesn't make it SEO because the story that must be told has to wear the lens of the consumer, which is like radically different from how most brand leaders are trained and CMOs are trained. So I just wonder, even if you have the, even if you're putting money and investing into these amazing performance marketing campaigns, but you're not focused on the growth marketing aspect, will it really yield the optimization that you're looking for? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I mean, there's a part of me that's kind of old school and will tell you, you know, a a relevant ad without a perfect story can still be pretty uh, impactful if it's delivered in the right place at the right time, you know, the right person. But that having been said, I I think one of the, you know, challenges I saw in my old life and in this one is, you know, the the creative um, needs of these channels has not kept up with the technology, right? Having the right versioning, having the right um, uh, choices, I guess, so that I can match what I know about the person and, you know, the need state to copy that or creative that delivers against that and is engaging. I mean, th- that to me is is next level stuff that um, I-, I think is, is under-resourced today. You see a couple industries that do it really well. I think of like uh, auto, for instance, you know, where they they can version video for different markets where you've got different, you know, incentives and you've got different uh, creative because the car is on the beach in Florida and the mountains in Denver or whatever. It's like there are models of, of how to do this, I think, and get your story across the the different channels. And uh, I think that's a that's a huge opportunity to improve uh, performance, no question. Well, I, I agree with you, Mike, and I think about the vast data resources that IRI has its, at its disposal. Obviously, the longitudinal loyalty data with point of sale included, and then I think about ecosystem data like oh, health and wellness lifestyle attributes that allow you to create customer segments of people who are living a gluten-free lifestyle or a non-GMO lifestyle. And all of a sudden now you can build personalization strategies for a consumer the minute they hit the app or the site. So uh, tremendously powerful tools. And I would also add, I I agree with you on the incrementality of being the core measure for KPI in addition to lifetime value. When I was leading brand and category personalization for a big national retailer, I didn't execute any type of personalized email, direct mail, register coupon or mobile app campaign if I couldn't measure the net product lift and the net margin impact. Um, those That to me is table stakes. If you're putting stuff out and not measuring it, you shouldn't be doing it. So right uh, what I want to get to is something that Shree mentioned earlier, which is about where IRI is in, in terms of supporting the industry. Particularly, I'd love to hear from you why you think retailers are partnering with IRI to enable all of these capabilities? What are kind of like some of the under the hood or behind the scenes technologies that you and your team are bringing to the equation here? 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's really driven by the the need to collaborate. Um, if you think about a lot of the Martech stack, it, it was built for marketers, and in some cases, it was built for groups within marketing. Right, the the email team would prefer not to be bothered by the uh, the social or digital team, and you know I don't have that luxury in in retail for the most part. Um, it's the collaboration with merchants and key suppliers that is driving the agenda. And then that needs to dovetail with what the, the marketing team knows is right for customers, you know, in, in a broader focus of, of the retail brand. And the, the ability of liquid data to put everybody in one platform and allow that collaboration to happen in a you know, secure, uh, privacy safe way is just something that other companies haven't, you know, even designed against because that wasn't the brief. Uh, if I'm just the uh, you know, a CRM system by itself. So I think that's really one of the keys is that that ability to let the organization into the, the marketing process and allowing that collaboration to take place. And then, you know, as we talked about, because we're having the same learnings at the same time, because it's uh, based on incremental sales and not maybe a brand score or something that feels, uh, you know, fluffy to the rest of the organization. Um, you know, you've got people saying, yeah, we're, we're building loyalty. We're building share wallet. We can see the results in the system. These marketing metrics are matching what I'm seeing in my, my merchant dashboards. That, that's really the, the secret sauce, I would say, behind the liquid data platform. So speaking about the liquid data platform, you know, earlier I mentioned, you know, the journey to success and performance management started with one or two vendors of which IRI is one. If you, uh, if you're looking at online shopping, offline shopping and everything in between, which really makes it on omni-channel shopping, how is IRI putting together solutions today to enable brands and retailers to be able to measure everything across the omni-channel spectrum of how a household or a shopper is engaging and buying uh, brands? Yeah, so so we ingest it all, Shri. Like, we don't necessarily care in the system that it transacted at a particular store or on .com. You know, most of our clients want to look at what happened with pickup, which most are putting in the .com bucket, but, you know, it is a little different customer behavior. So, you know, if you look at most of our standard reports, including our like lift measurement campaign reports, you know, we provide a toggle so you can see omni-channel or you can see just what we would consider e-commerce or just what they might consider brick and mortar. And um, you know, obviously the, the retail is trying to grow all of it, but a lot of our advertisers um, you know, have groups that are focused on uh, e-commerce. And so they, they want that, that breakout and they want to understand what the interaction is, right? Is this person that's, you know, hitting e-commerce coming from some other pure play e-commerce, or are they transitioning from behavior that used to be in store? And within the context of a retailer at a time, the retailer can tell them, you know, what those shifts are looking like, and obviously what else is in the baskets, and, you know, how to think about the combination of of trips. And so, you know, I just find that fascinating, because in my own life, um, you know, there are things now that are having delivered, things that I can plan ahead enough to, to pick up, but I'm, I'm still finding myself running into the club or running into the store for things. And um, it's, uh, it's an interesting mix to try to figure out how to influence all those different trips because the retailer, of course, would like to win as many of those as they can. And the brand wants to be wherever that, that customer is going to purchase. So, you know, figuring out that uh, shopper journey is, is part of what's you know, possible 
for a retailer because they they can see all the channels if they you know bring them into one platform. Michael, is it safe to assume for our audience here that as you're giving us a peek under the tent here, somewhere in the near future, that from a reporting standpoint, at least a performance management standpoint, at least that brands will truly be able to see the end to end of where their products are sold online, offline, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's, um, there's, there's challenges obviously in stitching it all together because we have some folks that are not sharing data into that ecosystem, but, uh, you know, if you think about uh, store level or what we call POS sales at, at IRI, you know, everyone's kind of gotten comfortable with a um, set of rules where everybody provides their data and, you know, different people get different views based on where they sit in that ecosystem. But you know, people have gotten comfortable with that. I think increasingly, you know, shopper data is, is getting to that point where people are more comfortable sharing, um, you know, into a multi-pool, knowing that identities are protected, but that it helps us serve people better by being able to go from what had been all in the past to, you know, actual, uh, you know, loyalty uh, behavior. And so, you know, we're starting to be able to, to see it much better across the uh, omni-channel. We acquired a great, um, you know, e-POS uh, and e-panel product that provide kind of that, that rest of market view for, you know, wherever you sit in the ecosystem, it's rest of market if you're not in those channels. So um, it's a key piece still of, of what we do for, for retailers to help them see, you know, where they fit into that ecosystem. And, you know, the, the e-commerce piece of it has never been more important than some categories in particular, right? That's great, Mike. Yeah, the amount and magnitude of the data and how you can use it to do targeting is quite remarkable. I think about some work I did even seven or eight years ago, where we would leverage the actual location of the register in the store or outside of the store to be able to identify what type of a trip mission it was uh, and then merge that in with the customer data. So did they buy, did they buy a product at the pharmacy counter? Did they buy it at the fuel station in the parking lot? All of a sudden that with the transaction data and the product data becomes just so powerful. But we've been talking a lot about the retailer's own site, their own app, their own ability to communicate. Let's talk a little bit about leveraging this data off-site. So what off-site retail media and social media capabilities does IRI through support through the use of this data to help brands target shoppers, not just when they're, they're on the retailer's platform? Yeah, so I mean, we help our clients make the same connections that we do nationally. And of course, um, you know, we support uh, audiences on most of the major DSPs and um, publisher platforms, the, the walled gardens, et cetera. And so you know, we utilize those relationships and the same technology to make the same connections um, where retailers want to. So you know, most of my clients are using one of the major DSPs to be able to reach their customers offsite and you know, broaden and speed uh, how quickly they can find somebody with with a message. Um, we're starting to do more and more with uh, with the Wall Gardens and them. I would say becoming a little bit more comfortable that the retailer has a customer relationship that's that's important and and one that we have to work collectively uh, um, against. So. You know, we're uh, trying to make those seamless um, for the retailer ecosystem and have that uh, kind of group of 
of offsite um, uh, be a part of their portfolio. Um, uh, Verizon Media had a uh, uh, little summit uh, this week, and they used the term community garden. And I don't know if they coined that. I've heard it a couple of times, but I'm going to give them credit this week. And I love that term because I think a retailer can be a community garden in that they obviously have their owned and operated, which is pretty exciting stuff. You know, if if you want to be next to that that buy button, but then they also have their unique, uh, you know, things like their app. And I think because of what they know in real time about a customer, they can add real value to the messaging offsite. And that, you know, for the partners offsite that are willing to close the loop, that's really what I'm personally looking for because the way we've, uh, I've tried to uh, architect these systems is to have exposure files come back daily so that we can look at it against sales daily. And that's what allows us to do optimization. So if, if I have a partner that's not comfortable with that speed of data transfer, doesn't mean they shouldn't be a valid, you know, part of the ecosystem, but it does limit a little bit what the, the retailer can do with our technology. And so we, we really want uh, the real-time data exchange for, uh, you know, relevance and, and better results. You know, this is a topic, obviously, we can go on for hours, including debunking historical myths on how retail media can and can't be effective. But 40 minutes has flown by. And here's our last question for this episode, and it's effectiveness. How and what is IRI's work headed towards to help brands actually unify their marketing effectiveness in this space? Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, you know we've we definitely fill a podcast with that one. We we talked a little bit about the um, you know organizational challenges of of connecting things for really understanding marketing effectiveness across um, the pieces, but um, I, I think it starts. I could be self-serving for a second with uh, retailers having a third party doing measurement for them. You know, it's not uh, that uh, we don't trust you retailers if I'm an advertiser, but you know, we'd, we'd like a methodology that's been put together by data scientists and is calibrated across um, open web and, and other platforms, which is something you can't do if you're sitting within your own organization. And so I think unified measurement starts with, having, you know, a, a methodology that's transparent and defendable across uh, where you run media. And if you get there, then you can start to have the apples to apples comparison. And, you know, I think we're working on other products um, besides campaign lift. We're, we're working on multi-touch attribution. It used to be something that was just so expensive to do. We're, we're starting to make it more affordable because of the, uh, you know, gains in processing power and that idea of assigning, you know, fractional contribution and an understanding of ad stock based on where you saw, when you saw something, you know, those, we know how to do that. We've got to continue to make it um, faster and more affordable, which is the, the journey we're on right now. And the thing that is interesting about MTA is that it starts to overlap more with uh, marketing mix, right? Because you're you, you can start to do non-addressable with uh, with our MTA products. So unified measurement is where we're trying to get to, and and someday I think mix and uh, and campaign level views will start to at least point in the same direction. Hopefully the coefficients will start to inform each other and we'll start to really feel good about how they calibrate together, right? That uh, macro to micro and back. 
Um, but that, that I think is, is the, uh, the right question to end on because it is not answered and it, it is a journey. We're working with, uh, you know, ARF, we're working with, uh, the, many of the, the tech platforms and, you know, our own data science group that's, that's led by Vijoy um, to, to try to solve that and make marketing effectiveness something that uh, is, you know, fast enough and affordable enough that it, it can be the, the true north. And, uh, you know, we, we've made some, some good progress and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll have me back in another, uh, you know, few years and we can talk about how we've, we've solved it. You are always welcome back on the show so we can geek out about CVRs and CTRs. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have any trouble twisting Shree's arm to get you back on. Uh, I want to remind our audience that all of our content links to our audio podcasts on over 15 platforms, our YouTube channel, uh, the content from our profitability series. That You can find that at cpgguys.com. Also, if you have a virtual assistant, a Google or an Echo device, you can always ask it to play the CPG guys, or for that matter, play IRI Growth Insights. So Mike, thank you so much for this tremendous conversation. Shri and I loved geeking out. It is your favorite topic. It secretly is mine too, because I come from a loyalty world where personalization drove so much engagement and all measurable. So I'm very excited to hear that's really where IRI is taking this. Can you let our audience, our brands and retailers understand where they can learn more about the retail media solutions that IRI provides? Yeah, absolutely. So iriworldwide.com is, is our home. Again, it's worldwide after IRI. And uh, there's a whole section uh, for media. There's actually a whole section too for, uh, for COVID and indexing some of the things that are going on with uh, demand across products and in stock. So some cool stuff there. Um, or you know, look me up on LinkedIn or whatever. Always uh, enjoy talking with folks about what they're hearing about in the industry. Yeah, Mike, we'll, we'll include your LinkedIn profile in the, uh, in the notes of the podcast. So if anyone reads, like us, all of those notes, you'll be able to find directly. Thank you so much uh, for this. And um, let me turn to Shree for a second. Shree, wow, I know you are just giddy as can be today. Uh, thanks, as always, for, for joining me on this journey. It was a tremendous conversation. Peter, thank you so much. This is always a pleasure doing these week over week and now episode over episode with you. Michael, thank you for engaging with us, most importantly, on every single question and bringing your valuable insights on not just on behalf of IRI, but also yourself. Sincerely, thank you. And we'll hope to have you back soon, perhaps after the holidays, to discuss how the retail media season went for holidays 2020. Love it. Thanks, guys. Great. Uh, we'd also, Shri and I'd like to thank IRI for the opportunity to join your Gross Insight podcast and to reach your audience. And, and to your audience and our audience, uh, don't forget to leave us feedback. Shri and I read every bit of feedback that is published. So if you go to uh, the Apple Podcast platform by visiting tinyurl.com slash Apple CPG podcast, you can leave a rating and write a review. Uh, we look forward, as always, to everyone joining us on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com 
and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.